0: Star Trek Resurgence Mage Knight Ultimate Edition and That's Not a Hat This is Staying In uh, Do any of you subscribe to the philosophy of Feng Shui
1: um, Is it, what is that is, who, who hosts that <laughs> ah, That's the latest Marvel movie um, The I don't subscribe to it but that's the one where they basically say oh if you put your tissue box on your desk 90 degrees to the angle of this and then yeah, your chakras figure themselves don't out right. Don't put a mirror is it
2: don't put a mirror in front of the bed,
1: which I, I subscribe to that
2: because, you know, and because I went to for the office Christmas party, we uh went to a venue that we've never been to before and so we had some people in the team who who are like really really super talented and they put together a band and they performed in front of a big mirror. And it was just it was just one of the most horrible experiences I can imagine.
3: Watching yourself watch a band.
2: Yes, because I was just like, I'm really enjoying this. And then I just catch myself in the mirror and go, oh, you look like an idiot. Don't dance. That's it. Cross your arms, slow down and just nod and be polite. Be polite. You're a manager now. Get a grip. <laughs> and I was just like, that, that's feng shui, isn't it? like yeah. don't put that mirror there my energy would have been a lot yeah.
0: more yeah yeah i think that covers everything like your wealth corner and stuff like that
1: yeah definitely hey chris are you getting into feng shui at the moment
0: Is no no doing? i mean I, I can't i can't claim to be an expert on it but I, I recently it's confirmed some suspicions for me recently in terms of my sleeping patterns <laughs> that all oh, right okay. i realized when i was at pete's uh-huh. I, I sleep better in a corner yeah but i don't Ah. think that's
3: feng shui do you mean like just balled up in a corner no
0: yeah (laughs) Yeah. no no because like um so my partner's bed is also in a corner mine in my house isn't and i've never really been able to sleep properly in my room ever since i moved in there like nearly what two years ago and there's just something i find quite comforting about being in the corner i think right
2: okay okay chris this is delightful and this is lovely but i think you this is probably something that you're going to have to get over because if if you ever when when you own a house with your lovely wife to be in the future you're going to have a very very difficult conversation to convince her to allow you to have a bed in the corner of the
3: room yeah. <laughs> because i'm sure i'm imagining that chris you're not going to be the one in the corner
0: <laughs> oh no i like being in the corner who doesn't that's great i don't know do you not find it comforting um, no, because I find it more comforting to know that I've got my books, my
2: my water, a little lamp at the side of the bed. So if I wake up in the night, I can, you know, just read something, have a little sip of water, you know, charge my devices, slap the steam deck on there, whatever. Just pile up <laughs> with stuff
3: to do. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it's got my coffee machine. So, like your your bedside <laughs> table is just laden.
2: What
0: tea's made.
3: It's yeah. got a microwave. air fryer. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Toast, George
3: Foreman,
1: <laughs> he's there. But he
3: draws the line at a mirror.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't want to see myself. Yeah, none of them have shiny surfaces. Yeah, yeah.
2: But that's what I mean. Um, like, I don't don't you think? Don't you like? Don't you read before bed? And if you read, where you put in
3: your where you put in your book? I would just lean over and put it on the bedside table. No, all right. Mm, okay. Well, then 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 you might then you might wake her up.
0: Yeah. Oh no, not at all. Not at all. Honestly, I can't I can't quite put my finger on it, the comfort of it. I think it goes back to that feeling of almost like being swaddled as a baby. There's something quite comforting about being So
3: do you do you have this issue when you're sharing the bed, kind of when you're asleep? Is it that you need something
0: I need something, something I there, Dan.
3: So so if it's not a wall, <laughs> would a person suffice?
0: Yes, but the issue is obviously there. um I, I, only, I only share a bed with one person, so I need someone on the other side, so I've got a wall. All right. Okay. That's a
3: very different conversation we're moving into yeah. now. Yeah, I yeah. think
2: you're going to have to get one of those Japanese body pillows, I think.
0: <laughs> okay. Why Japanese? I, I don't know they're quite
1: common yeah well, yes, Sam <laughs> what's wrong with good old fashioned British body pillows <laughs> what's a body pillow is well, it? Is it just is, body, is it just a pillow
3: they come here take it up pillows
0: is it just is it just a pillow that is like my heart? have you not seen body pillows before no it's just what
2: like big they? long
1: tube you don't google it
2: well yeah Go and search it. So go on, Chris. No, Don't you search. De- right,
1: A definitely don't Google it, and B definitely go into
0: incognito
1: mode. <laughs> yeah, definitely don't go to the uh, marketplace in uh, Gamescom Cologne where they will sell you a body pillow uh, on the middle of the show floor, which is uh, a, 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 an incredible activity that I've seen uh, gamers do. Uh, like full body pillows that are like you know. Five foot high with like these look fine. They just look like very wide draft excluders. Well, yeah, they
0: look fine. Yeah,
1: I find that quite comfortable. Okay, so would you be comfortable with me using the phrase "Chris has got a body pillow"? (laughs) (laughs) Because a wall wasn't good enough. Good.
0: I mean, I mean, but but I mean, like, if people ask you about me, I I assume that wouldn't be the first thing you'd say about me,
3: Pete. (laughs) Yeah. Oh no, Chris, it would. It would. That would shoot straight to the top of the Uh, list. It
0: might be that i come to Sam and Dan for a character reference if I need it for a job. (laughs) (laughs) One thing you should know about him, he's got a body pillow.
1: But I stayed at yours, Pete. You did. And we had a lovely time. Well, I had a lovely time. Did you have
0: a lovely time? Dan, Sam, a few days before, actually about a week before, I messaged Pete. I said, Pete, I'm coming down just to check the usual. Do I need pillow, towel? Sleeping bag. Yeah. Pete was like, yes to all of those. Body pillow. Turn up, walk in. Alex says, yep, just made a bed up for you. It's like, great. Uh, (laughs) Pete told me that I had you to bring everything with me. He said, oh no, I don't know why he said that. We've got a spare bed. Do you sleep on the standing desk? (laughs) That's,
1: I mean, that standing desk is incredible. Pete showed me the standing desk i did we we took a full two hours to go through the 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 standing desk oh Um, my word yeah like i've you know got a standing desk we've got a bed now for you which is like the next level i would say it's very comfortable bed it's a comfortable bed um you 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 other two are more than welcome to come along uh, and and use it uh is a double bed wow i know I know, we're pulling out all the stops. Um, did you have a fun down with me, Chris?
0: I always have a fun time. I love this kind of little winter tradition I have post-Christmas, where I come down to Bristol to see you and Alex. Oh, it's lovely, isn't it? Um, I bring you a bottle of Baileys. Yep, yep. And I bring you a Christmas-themed beer. Yep, yep, a slightly rude Christmas-themed beer. T- Tis the season. And we and we play board games, of course. We play board games, yes, we did. Um, with a mutual friend of ours, um who I'd never met in person before, so that was really, really nice. Yeah. Um, Your partner had got Flamecraft, which was a pretty hot property board games-wise in 2022, which I'd always wanted to play, which is a really lovely, cute um, um, kind of worker placement um, card game, I suppose, really. Yeah,
1: it's kind of like viticultural... um... A little bit of maybe Agricola or Brewcrafters or one of those sorts of games that we talked about before, but a light, slightly lighter version of those. And, yes, very much. And I really so. like the theme as well. Like basically, cute dragons run a town uh, where they make artisan goods, and you have to, yeah. and you have to get those artisan goods. Like the whole town working, basically. It, it, yeah, the theme works really nicely.
0: Yeah, and and I like the fact that it's all done on reputation and unlike a lot of worker placements games where if somebody goes in the place you want to go, that's it, you're stuffed until the next round. Here, you can go where they've gone. You just just pay them a little resource. Yeah. And you can pimp out shops that not only benefit yourself but also future players who visit there. So it felt really quite nice and it was always exciting to see a new shop being revealed and it was a really lovely game that was surprisingly restrained for a kickstarter game I felt like it, it really put, <laughs> yeah. it really put it was really very um what's the word I thought it was very very well considered in terms of where it put its resources in terms of its art, beautiful
1: artwork yes um and the quality of the cards themselves yeah the quality of the material they they chose quality materials quality of the art and quality of the design over you know smashing it full of plastic or like loads and loads and loads and loads and loads of extra modes like there is a solo mode there is a um you know there's a uh, there was like an exclusive kickstarter model or something like that but they were really really small set things and the the, the actual the key thing and this is the thing that i think that is really important about kickstarters the thing that i think that takes them from um You know, in in, in, away from the realm of you're going to see the complete deluxe versions of these secondhand in the you know board game uh, uh, bring and buy at your latest convention um, takes it away from that. Is you can play the game, the core game, without any of that stuff, and it's still brilliant. Like the game holds up; it feels like a game. As I say, you know, I, I think something like a Viticulture, but but more i think just more approachable i've played it with people who just they wouldn't they they would look at viticulture or agricola and they'd be like alex a bit dry whereas something like flamecraft feels quite kind of similar in places but it's just really lovely and 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 yeah and then we played a game which i can only apologize for
0: pete which <laughs> i bought i got for christmas for seven it's a seven pounds game my brother told me the price because he, he's like that sort of person. You know those sort yeah. of people <laughs> that like to tell you oh, how much. Oh, my
2: dad does that all the time. Gives you a gift that's really nice. He's just like, you won't believe the deal I got on that. I don't need to know. I don't No.
0: I love that. I love no. it. No. Um, But like it's called That's Not a Hat from Casper Lapp, who actually one of the previous games that was well known was Magic Maze. They did. Oh, yes. Um, This is from Ravensburger. It's a bluffing memory party game. So the best description I can explain for this is like, you know when you walk into a room and you can't remember what you walked in here for? Yeah. Yeah, that's that in a card game. Um, All right. Player count three to eight. Takes about 15 minutes to play a game. I'd say sometimes it's even less than that, depending on who you're playing with and how much you've had to drink. So picture this. Imagine the four of us around a table and I have put in the center of the table a face-up pile of cards um each of them displaying a simple line drawing of an object on a white background and these are gifts it's like a deck of gifts essentially and then I give you each um a gift from that pile and we all have it kind of face up in front of us so imagine that Dan you've got a cupcake Sam you've got a magnifying glass Pete to the left of me you've got a skateboard and I've got a banana Mm -hmm. And then imagine I'm the first player. I, I begin by showing everyone my banana.
1: Well, oh, classic Chris. I turn it
0: face down. <laughs> um, classic
2: Chris. <laughs> He's there, his body pillow's next to him. Yeah.
3: Banana in hand. Showing everyone his banana.
0: <laughs> you can never have enough potassium. I flip it face down and I look at the back of my card and all the, all the gifts have this. And it has an arrow, which either points left or right. So... On this occasion, it has a left arrow on it, and I slide it towards Pete, and I say, "Pete, here is my banana." And then Pete can choose to accept this gift or not. No, I wouldn't. And obviously, he's gonna he's gonna choose to accept it this time around because he's literally just seen my banana.
1: Yeah, and I know it's a banana, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, so if if for whatever reason he chose to decline my banana. He would he would have to challenge me on it. Why would he? And then we'd flip it up. And if he's wrong, he keeps it in his, a discard pile. If I'm wrong, I keep it in a discard pile. Okay. But, but he takes my banana and he puts it beneath his um, his skateboard. skateboard. He flips his skateboard down. Oh, it's got a left arrow on it as well. I will pass that to Dan. He goes, here you go, Dan, there's a skateboard. And you keep doing this. Um, and it sounds really obvious. All you've got to do is try and remember where these four gifts are on the table. But I tell you what... <laughs> You just look up for a second. You start having a chat with somebody. You then suddenly look down at the table. You cannot remember, A, the card that's just been given to you, or B, the card you've literally just flipped over that everyone has seen. And um, it's really quite telling that the designer originally, he kind of came up with this as a kid's game, but then he tested it and thinking, actually, this is actually quite tricky for adults, let alone for kids. Yeah. And it's a simple set of mechanics, um, but there's something about the fact that the line drawings – are kind of black line drawings on a white background and they're all like that. So the images are distinctive but they're not distinctive enough that you can rem- remember what they are necessarily and that's kind of compounded by the fact that if you play subsequent rounds you can't remember if a card has literally just been in this round or the previous round and it's so funny I played this with my parents over Christmas and it got to the point where my mum was just reading off cards that we, we could all see were just face up in front of her that clearly weren't the card face down that she just handed over to us and it's hilarious the best play, way to play this game is to accept the fact accept the fact that you're just going to forget stuff yes. i think it becomes quite tricky when you actually try to play the game it's a party game after all the joy in it is actually bluffing and it's really interesting where unlike sheriff of nottingham where you have to choose whether you're bluffing or not when you play that card here your ability to remember or not dictates whether you bluff or not and you may actually think you're bluffing but you may not be you may have actually got
3: it right if that makes sense. So, so is there like a, a deception element to it as well? Like when you're passing cards, is it a case of that you're you said, okay, I have a skateboard, I'm going to pass a card to you. Can you pass a card that's not a skateboard across, or something like that? Or is it just about the confusion? About you could not do, you could do,
0: but my memory is not good enough, Dan, to be able to do that because I'm struggling to actually remember the card that's there, um, let alone to pass the one that I'm kind of bluffing mm. with. And like, say for example, that Pete got it wrong. What would happen would he take my banana in his discard pile face up and then a new card from the top is added into his mix and there's something about the fact that a new card enters play suddenly everyone forgets what the other four are and where they are oh uh, and it's it felt a bit like wandering towers sam but like so yeah you but you get to that sensation immediately i wonder i wonder whether four is like the optimum number for this game because probably Eight people feels like that is oh, just... yeah, it's ludicrous. I mean, you you play this game when you're drunk. I'm gonna bring this to AirCon. I think at the end of the night, like that would be absolutely hilarious.
1: It is I uh, and, and I wanna be really, really clear. This game is great, like it's a brilliant, very elegantly designed game, and I hated it. Like it <laughs> is like because my memory is so poor, I just knew there was nothing I was gonna be able to do about about it like i was not very good at it at all right um but and like this is one of those like marmite games you are going to either like dig it your group is going to absolutely love this or you're going to have one or two members of that group go "Ah, it's not really my cup of tea i think it is it's going to be for people who like if you've got friends who know how to do things like count cards or have like a particularly like they 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 reckon themselves a pretty good memory, like ah oh, this you're gonna you're gonna get so much out of this. And again, it's a, it's just a single deck, like it's a small deck of cards. It is small, compact. It plays really quickly, plays really elegantly. A brilliant piece of design, and one I never want to have in my house ever again. Or maybe don't bring it to Aircon then, Chris. Yeah, I might
0: You're not. not Aircon. Really uh, yeah. yeah. um, I've got one little card game I want to mention, which might be my card game of the year. Already? It's only 2024, Chris. I, I know it's a really good game and I really enjoy playing it. It's just I'm not very good at it
3: at all. Mm. Have you ever played... Are you any of you very good at... Have you got good reactions, would you say, all of you? Okay, reactions. I think, I think I'm competent. I have competent reactions. Depends
0: on what I'm reacting to. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Like, um, my parents have got a game called Cobra Pour, which I don't know if you've ever played. You've, you've seen it. Yeah. Lots of, yeah, it's a hexagonal box. It's like you've literally got to pounce on a piece before the other person does. Um, I, I I got a card game from my sister called Dutch Blitz, okay. which is an old card game. It's been around since the late 30s. And it, it was designed by Werner Ernst George Muller, who was a immigrant from hamburg who emigrated to pennsylvania and it's really mm-hmm. big with dutch settlers and it's really big randomly in lots of kind of christian youth groups and you can actually buy jumbo pub sized versions of the game the cards and stuff um <laughs> your pete you introduced me to the word competition a few years ago is mm-hmm. this in a nutshell mm-hmm. but it's real time you there are no turns everyone is ha- playing at once and games can last between one minute to 15 minutes um Uh, it's a shame that sc didn't discover this as a gift to get for sam as one of the the shortest best shortest game or maybe next year yeah but um so very quickly um you each each of us if we were playing we'd each have our own deck of 40 cards and they are split into four colors each one one to ten and they have a back that is unique to us um the aim of the game is to get rid of 10 of your cards in a, um, um, and this is called your blitz pile by playing all your cards into a central set of piles that everyone plays into. Okay. And these piles have to go from one to 10 in the central deck. So you start by shuffling your deck, um, dealing three cards face up into their own private row. This is your post pile. I don't know why it just is. Then you deal 10 cards face down into a pile. Flip that pile over. This is your blitz pile. If you get through all this deck, you've won the round. The cards left in your hand, this big pile of cards, is your wood pile. And one person is is decided to be the scorer, and they decide when the game begins. The rules are very strict. One person decides when the game begins, and that's it. You're off. Any cards that are face up can be played, but all piles in the center of the table have to start with a 1, and you have to go from one, two, three, four up to ten in their matching color. So there'll be lots of red piles, lots of green piles, lots of yellow piles. Eventually, I'm not 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 going to lie, Chris, but this sounds like the most complicated game ever committed. To- <laughs> the reason why I'm doing this is because reading the rules, Sam, is an absolute pain. And lots of people have commented on this, the rules explanation, is thinking this is supposed to be simple. Why is this sound so unbelievably complicated? The rule that's not listed is any card that you've got face-up can be played, providing it can fit into the sequence like solitaire style in the centre of the table, going from 1 to 10. So I'm if I've got a 1 that suddenly appeared when I dealt it out to me, I can just play that immediately into the centre. If it's come from my post pile, I can take something from my blitz pile and put it there straight away. So you're frantically playing cards into the centre and suddenly, like, oh... Pete got there before me. Oh, Dan got there before me. Do I cycle through my wood pile deck to find the cards I need or do I wait until somebody else plays that six so they can then pounce and play my seven because that will allow me to get through my blitz pile. Once somebody shouts blitz, you know, their blitz pile's done, everyone stops and they're very strict about that. The scorer then looks at the Dutch pile in the centre of the table, flips them over and divides them back into the original piles for the players. Each card in the centre is one point to that player. Each card left in their blitz pile is minus two points.
2: And then you bury the deck and on a full moon
1: you turn around three <laughs> times. This, this, this sounds a bit folky. Like, it is folky, Pete. It's it is, a bit it's, folky, like a bit sort of like you need someone to teach you.
0: And there are derivatives in lots of different cultures of this game. There's lots yeah. of different derivatives of this. We have 52 playing cards. But I kid you not, this gar- this card game was the most popular thing I played over Christmas. My mum, the day I left to travel down to UP, my mum sent me a picture. She bought her own deck of it. Incredible. It, my dad. Incredible. it is addictive as hell. And it's probably now the oldest game I own, obviously other than chess. But like it, like in terms of an actual game, you know, and I like these games where the the company that publishes it is called the Dutch Blitz Games Company. Right. All they do is publish Dutch Blitz cards, and it's the exact same design and template as it's as it's had since the '30s. You need to bring this to AirCon, because I'd love to play this.
2: I want you all to, in, in feng shui fashion, let's push all the chairs to the, to the side right. of the room. Let's, yeah. let's make some room. Let's make some room. Board in the corner. Let's put the, let's put the bed in the corner of Chris, because yep. I want to just make a, a bit of room inside the podcast to talk about Mage Knight. Mm. Um, yeah. Talk about uh, a classic. Let's talk about, talking of classics, let's talk about a classic. Um, Mage Knight. Um, So uh, we got sent Mage Knight, the ultimate edition.
0: And it certainly is. That's
2: a big box. And it is uh, the ultimate edition. It is a big, big, big old box of stuff. So if you never heard of Mage Knight, it probably is one of the most highest rated board games on Board Game Geek.
3: Yeah, it's but got sort of it's got everything um, that BGG looks for, right? Yeah, it does. It's got minis. Eight point nine on BGG. Eight
2: point nine. Oof. 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 It's an absolutely massive game, both in size and reputation in the in the board game industry. And it's a game that I have been wanting to play for. A long 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 time and I'm just going to bury the lead ever so slightly with with my sort of headline thoughts of of, of Mage Knight as a game first some facts so it first came out in 2011 the version that I've been playing and Chris has been playing as well is Mage Knight the ultimate edition which came out seven years later it's designed by a Vlada Chvatskil who you may also recognise as the designer of code names. Oh. Yes, the very same. And um, it was also, and this is going to get your attention, Peter, it was also re-implemented into a Star Trek version called Star Trek Frontiers, which is exactly the same game. It's just a Star Trek... Um, really? Yeah. I'll just, I just, I just go on mute while I... Okay, yeah, cool. Uh, your credit card's in your dressing gown. Yep. <laughs> Um, so, So Mage Knight Ultimate Edition is pretty much exactly the same as Mage Knight the original, except it's got the three different expansions that were released in the interim. So The Lost Legion, Shades of Tesla and Krang, another extra playable character that you can play i was looking chris at comparisons to see what the differences between the two yeah. versions would be because i thought oh they must have updated the art they must have updated the tokens or the or the the mats or the or the tiles it's the ultimate edition it's everything is <laughs> pretty much exactly the same it's as it. as the previous edition i think it's just got everything in one in one big box essentially because i imagine now you know you know the first edition was released in 2011 between now and then, I'd imagine things like the expansions probably quite difficult to get hold of. Um, so the Ultimate Edition kind of makes sense in terms of a, a value prospect. The reason why I'm burying the lead ever so slightly is that uh, I do have reservations about Mage Knight Ultimate Edition and Mage Knight, the original edition. And it's always something that has put me off just buying it in general And that has been that I don't think I would have ever bought this game unless we were sent it. Why is that? Um, I think it's because, first of all, the Ultimate Edition retails for over £100. Okay. And the second reason why is I was always put off by the complexity of it. Which now having played, you know, Twilight Imperium doesn't necessarily um, like water off a duck's buck, put it, me it. off.
3: Can, can I just say, I just checked because I just saw the complexity level and you gave, when we played Twilight Imperium, which is a complexity level of 4.32 out of 5, you gave us about three months with the rules in order mm-hmm. to understand it. This one has 4.66 complexity and I imagine you just showed up and went, here we go, let's play this. <laughs>
2: Well, I, d- I did Prime, Chris, with... Um, yeah, I, I watched yeah. a series bah. of videos. <laughs> I'd actually... I'd actually... I actually think that complexity-wise, um, it probably is one of the things that they've done in the Ultimate Edition on top of the, the original, where when you open this up, you get three different manuals, one for the expansion, one for the rules, and one is just specifically written as a gameplay guide, which step by step introduces you to everything that you need to know as you are playing through one of the scenarios Mm. so it does actually does a really good job of introducing everything that you need to introduce as as you're playing the game but yeah it is it is complex burying the lead ever so slightly and sorry for this dan because you're editing this but mage knight is Amazing! Whoa! Like it is. Oh, dropping
3: is that big old f bomb there.
1: Spicy! That this this means it must be good because if we're going if we're going to bring out the beat button, that's important. <laughs> and we don't do it often. We don't do it often. So let me just talk about how it plays, just to get this out of
2: the way, and then I'll talk about how it makes you feel when you play, it, or at least me anyway. So, mage Knight, you pick a hero. You can play one to four people, and you'll pick a hero. You'll pick a scenario and you'll set everything up on the table. And each hero comes with a little painted mini and a hand of cards. And cards allow you to move, do actions like fight, heal, block, gain influence. So you play five cards on your turn. And then what you can do then is move and then do an action. So you can move or... And then fight or explore a town that's or go that. after mm-hmm. some hidden treasure. And, um, and and that's basically it in a nutshell. Mm-hmm. Um, and each card has two different parts for it. Like a, a standard part, a basic part, and another part that can be buffed by a um, a specific color of mana that you may may or may not have specific access to. So that's a, that's the kind of you know the basics of the game. The scenario will give you some sort of parameters to to work within. Most of the time, it's kind of explore a region and try and take over some cities that have been corrupted by this bad influence, like something, 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 something fantasy, fantasy. You know, it's you know it's all kind of that sort of guff, but. Never in a board game have I ever felt so free and so flexible in terms of how I approach a specific scenario and what I can do in it and how the game is structured is also it's done in a way which which really enables that open-ended approach to just do whatever just just do whatever you really want to do. Like there's even down to like the fact there's like a day night cycle, um, uh, the fact that there's you know always a distraction which is going to point you away from the main thing that you want to do. The way I kind of liken it is if you played uh, Breath of the Wild, mm-hmm. Zelda, you know the the when you get out of the is it the glade when you get the yeah uh, yeah when you get out of the glade for the first time you first see the open world in front of you. You can see that big volcano in the back, in off in the distance. You're like, that seems like where I need to end up at eventually. Yeah. But before I get there, oh shiny, what's this? Oh, yeah. oh,
1: hang on. Oh, what's that there? Oh, you're a little orc, right? Or I'll take you around. Yeah, I'm gonna like, spend 35 hours gallivanting around Hyrule, and then and then maybe I'll take on Ganon.
2: And that is really what Mage Night feels like. Like I was playing this alone the other day the big kitchen table extended it and everything it was really lovely experience and i didn't complete the game because i got so distracted hunting for treasure in an abandoned tomb (laughs) and it's and it was just fantastic because i was just like i managed to get all this treasure but i didn't quote unquote complete the game because i just ended up getting getting distracted when i played it when i played it with me and chris um Mage Knight has also got a morality meter in it, so you get like reputation either plus or negative by doing certain things. If you kill some orcs, the, the the people who live in the in the world really love you. You get you get some boons, you get some good reputation. But if you start doing some bad stuff, you pe- you you really go down in people's estimations. But you can do a lot of things quickly, like for example. You could go into a village and either do some negotiation, get some people along to join you on your journey, recruit some units, recruit some peasants to come and help you do some battling and fighting, all good. Or you can just pillage it, get some bad reputation, (laughs) and you get to draw loads of cards. Same with castles and keeps that you come along the way. You can either free them of their... um, uh, of the 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 sort of the creatures who have overtaken them. Or you can just put, raise them to the ground, steal all their artifacts, and off you go. Mm. And I remember in the game that me and Chris played, I managed to hire some thugs. You did. <laughs> and it was brilliant because every time I used them, they gave me bad reputation, but boy, oh boy, were they strong. Yeah. <laughs> I was just that like, that? I felt like this really powerful wizard like roaming the countryside with me and my thugs. I was like, standing there like... <sniffs> All right, lads. Uh, Uh, In you go. Be a (laughs) shame
1: if you were to just just wait outside (laughs) smoking a cigarette. (laughs) Yeah. So, are you? It sounds like you're telling quite a lot of stories. Like, Mm -hmm. like you're actually generating narratives. Yes. Like, is that is that accurate?
0: Yeah. It's not. It's not like explicitly. It's not like, say, Arkham Horror, the card game, where you like turn almost like turning the pages of the book. You get some flavor text there, which keeps you on point. You're. It's it's a story generating machine. Like, we we got a little bit of in the scenario at the beginning that kind of ex- provided context what Sam and I were doing, but we were narrativizing it ourselves because, as Sam was saying, you don't know which direction you're going to go in. Equally also, you don't know what bit of terrain you're going to pull from the pile of terrain there because for the very first scenario we played, Sam, we just had to discover this castle. Yeah. And we didn't know when it was going to crop up. And so we were kind of generating our own narrative, which was which was absolutely great fun to play with. Sam, can I just ask, and obviously maybe it's the fact that you you'd played it, you played solitaire after you played with me and the first time you played it was with me. Like what, what was the setup and teardown like for a solitaire experience? Because I think in some respects, when you're doing it with someone else, you don't feel that, Weight that so much, but when you're in a solitary yeah, experience, sure. it's not like my PlayStation where I can just boot it up and there I am, I'm ready to go. What in terms of something as as epic as Mage Knight, a lot of moving parts. What's that like as a solitary experience and just the literal mechanics of setting it up? I th- I think I I think, and this is uh, a big plus in in WizKid's
2: column who um, produced this, is that. I think the setup and teardown for a game this size is one of the most impressive, really, that I've that I've encountered. Like it looks really daunting when you get it out the when you, when you put the box down on the table, and it feels like it can be quite daunting. And the ultimate edition makes it a little bit more complicated because there's extra th- there's extra cards in there, and there's extra terrain tiles, and there's a there's a bit more in there than you would have got in the base version. That you would have got in the base version. So I had to do a little bit of filtering out um to stop us getting certain things. but really the the game is right, just get everything <laughs> just get everything out because you just don't know what you're gonna experience. Right, here's some new action cards. here's some spell cards that you can get access to. Here's your artifacts. Here are the units. Here's your fame tracker, here's your reputation just go just go and because you are kind of just like that's your deck and you're and you're getting everything out on the table and just and just and just going and exploring the setup and the teardown is actually pretty simple because you're literally just getting everything out of the box and now I've played it like two or three times the actual getting it out and and putting it on the table like isn't a daunting thing I'm, I'm you know it's actually something that fills me with with a little bit of excitement and joy and and i think where mage knight really excels and this is something that only struck me once i of playing it solitaire and i can't wait to play this with you again chris because even though that opening scenario is is good in terms of teaching the rules it's bobbins in terms of actually making you realize what the the, the true potential of that game is because the opening scenario is only three rounds long, all it wants you to do is to move forward and and see new parts of the map. Because all it's trying to do is trying to get you to uncover a part of the map, teach you, oh, you've discovered this, which does this, but ignore it, just keep going forwards. Whereas when I've played it on my own, it's kind of oh, I've discovered this, oh, I'm going to go straight towards, <laughs> I'm going straight towards that, but the actual. The actual thing that where Mage Knight excels is that it you your character grows but it grows through they manage your character grows but they grow through experience, not through an economy. And I think that in a lot of board games, and especially a lot of deck building games and a lot of quote unquote RPG games. Mm-hmm. Your character grows through an economy. So by that I mean, oh, you've got this card, this card, and this card, which allows you to buy that card, which allows you to get a little bit stronger. And now you've got this card, this card, and this card, which allows you to buy this card, which gets you a little bit stronger. Mm-hmm. And the how you grow in Knight, how you get more powerful, is by acquiring cards. But you can only ever acquire those cards by increasing your fame level by doing certain things inside the game so every time you acquire something new it's been done because of a hard fought battle it's been done because you went off the beaten track and you explored a tomb you explored a tomb it's been done because you were able to do some actually really clever car play and resource management to get you in a position to be able to buy and acquire certain things so by the end of the game you feel a lot more powerful and you feel like you've had an experience but it feels really earned and it was why i didn't mind not it's why i didn't mind not completing the scenario because i felt like i'd had a well-rounded experience
1: i feel like a, a lot of the enjoyment of solo games is exploring the mechanics and yeah like Finding enjoyment in the structure of rules like and I know that sounds like dry like a dry <laughs> Saturday afternoon, but there is something quite enjoyable that things like like Mage night offer, which is the enjoyment of seeing mastery in design and exploring the limits within a set template like. Yeah, that to me sounds really compelling, and the fact that like it's not just solitaire; it's got this multiplayer component. It's multiplayer as well. It's got all this additional stuff. Like, it sounds like there's a ton of content in there to to be exploring and getting on with. Yeah, it's 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 an incredible piece of work. Uh, You mentioned Star Trek earlier, Sam. I have been playing. It's a little known fact. I don't know if it's a little known fact now. Um, I love Star Trek. Like, I love it. Can I just say, for me, it is a little
3: known fact. Because I didn't know that you loved Star Trek.
2: Really? Well, I knew. And I, I, I share that because we all know that you watch a lot of Star Trek. I do. But I don't think you've ever said that you love it. I love. it. Star and just
3: Trek. because you watch a lot of something doesn't mean mm. that you love it. Yeah, it that's, just means that yeah. I've decided to watch all of this one thing.
0: Yes, until <laughs> from the beginning <laughs> to the end. That what, is what, true. What is it? What is it you love about Star Trek, Pete, in particular?
1: Utopian fiction. Fair enough. Utopian science fiction. So I was going to say the babes uh, <laughs> and. Then... <laughs> uh, Alien, so, babes. So yeah. So basically the. I I have, ever since I was young, I have absolutely adored Star Trek. I, for me, Next Gen, DS9, uh, Voyager, and then uh, I, I even liked Enterprise. Yeah. Uh, like, it was fine. Um, and I love the Star Trek movies, like all of the Star Trek movies. I like the alternative universe Star Trek movies even, not as much as the kind of original, uh, like original canonical um, uh, uh, universe stuff um like i love star trek and i, I and as, as i say i think the big thing about it is utopian fiction right i i'm i'm really bored i always get really really tired of dystopian sci-fi um like obviously there's a lot to like in there you know there's there's tons of sci-fi classics out there that are dystopian you know i like 40k for example i like the D- dune um uh, uh you know things like uh endymion for example or snow crash or whatever like all of these sorts of things are really interesting but i think it takes a different skill to be able to write utopian fiction and to create a utopian universe and i think the joy of sci-fi that i that i take from star trek is the the fact that that it's about a Essentially, if you've never watched Star Trek, and it does get a bit of a bad rep of being extremely nerdy, because it, some of it is, um, some, um, some, but but some of it, but um, that really cool part of it. Yeah, well, I, I've got to be honest. <laughs> when it tries to be cool, that's actually the stuff I don't like. Um So, but but the whole sort of conceit is that humanity has gone through real terrible things, come out of it into a post-scarcity society, so that means that food, energy, water, all of those sorts of things, they are now not a problem, and they decide as a collective to go and explore the stars. That's basically the foundational idea of Star Trek. It's a
2: bit like, and I've and I've not finished the series, but it's a bit like how I imagine Isaac Asimov's
1: Foundation series will end, going like, we got here. Yep. <laughs> We're here now. So... So yeah, I mean, like that kind of, and and it's interesting that you mention Asimov because yeah, I like Asimov's sci-fi. He again, he does dystopian, he does utopian. I really like that that big big difference. See also things like H.G. E. Wells and Arthur um, uh, uh, C. Clarke, those sorts of things. Those things in sci-fi where you go, wow, that's amazing. That's what a world that what a world to live in. Um, anyway, so that core conceit of Star Trek is humanity decides to go and explore the stars. Um, as soon as it figures out how to do that, it's contacted, and then uh, by alien races, and then some other stuff happens, and then basically, yeah, they continue to head out and 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 try to bring this idea, the the, the idea of what's called the Federation, which is the humans and the Vulcans and the Bajorans and a bunch of other different races, um, species um, together. It's trying to take that idea of bettering oneself and peaceful coexistence, like celebrating differences, um, trying to take that out into the wider galaxy um, and the, the threats and, and issues that that they face when trying to do that, right? So, that's why I love it. So, Star Trek video games So <laughs> are, not, are not... They are a hit and miss. Uh, so we've had things like Honor Guard... Um, uh, elite forces. Uh, we had some point and click adventures, and to varying different degrees. Is uh, it is it an... like the films, Pete? Where
0: it's every other game in the series is good. <laughs> um, I would say it's
1: not even every other. Um, so oh, so um, so the, the the game I'm talking every about every leap year. Oh, I mean almost every game has its drawbacks, and a, a huge part of it is to do with the fact that. So, for example, there there are a couple of first person shooters in the in the Star Trek video game canon. Um, and the problem with that is that's not actually how most stuff in Star Trek as a series is solved. I was going to say, shooting on site is not yeah, really the Federation not, way, is it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, so for example, when they did a cover-based Gears of War shooter based on the, the the Alternative Universe franchise, it was like, you you've missed the point, right? Whereas the point-and-click adventures from back in the day, they were much more about use your wits and talent and try and outthink the situation. And that is a long way of me saying, I've been playing Star Trek Resurgence, uh, which is uh, by um, it's by a studio called Dramatic Labs. And you might not have heard of them, but you will have heard of Telltale. And that's yeah. yep. that's the studio that they spun out of, right? So when Telltale went skew uh, a bunch of different uh, developers went off and did different things. And one of those things was Dramatic Labs. And their, as far as I can tell, their first game is Star Trek Resurgence. Um, it is out now Um, uh, because I've been playing it. Uh, It's just about to come out on Steam. It went to Epic first. It is also on PS4, 5, Xbox uh, One and Xbox Series X. Uh, There might be some other platform versions coming. There's like a job advert going up on their website that's gone up on their website that kind of indicates like mobile and other consoles. uh, So um, maybe there'll be some other ones. But it is like, if if you played a Telltale game, it is kind of like that crossed with a little bit and i don't want to get anybody uh, give anybody the, the wrong impression a little bit of mass effect and mass effect does crib a lot from star trek like you can see mm-hmm. the influence there when you play mass effect so it's it's a game that is um the the it's set a little bit after the events of star trek next generation but it that none of that really matters because the game is kind of standalone, doesn't really reflect any of that stuff. You just kind of need to know vaguely what Star Trek as a concept is. You don't need to have watched any of the other Star Trek stuff, which I think is in its favor. And in fact, actually, I think they made a really smart choice in resurgence by doing that. Um, It has got two returning characters from Star Trek. Uh, uh, It has uh, Riker. Hey, Riker. Pre him Pretty getting beard. the the uh no he's, oh, he's definitely got the beard it's pre i believe him becoming the an admiral it's while he's the captain of the titan which is a spin-off book series i think i love star trek i don't i can't get this across to you enough i really love star trek um so it has got him and it has got the uh, uss titan um and it does also have ambassador spock not played I was sad, you know, sadly by Leonard Nimoy uh, uh, because he's no longer with us, but by a very, very good uh, sound alike. So, those two characters are in it, which is really cool to see them. And basically, it's this story about um, the Federation has to go and settle a dispute around a mining agreement. This is why I love Star Trek, right? It's a dispute, or it's a basically a labor dispute, right? It's low stakes. Yeah, right. But so it seems like. It seems fairly low stakes at the, at the beginning. And by the end of it, it is pretty big stakes. Like, pretty pretty big, like, made-for-TV movie stakes. Uh, um, whereby, you know, some, some big stuff's on the line. Um, and the, the telltale-ness of it... Means that the game is the game is at its best when it's dealing with narrative and dialogue, right? This is superbly written. This is one of the best written video games in terms of dialogue and plot and uh, uh, that sort of thing. I think this is one of the best. I think this is one of the best video games of the last five years in terms of its writing. There, you play as two main characters, Jara Rydek and uh, uh, Carter Diaz. They form these kind of this duology of characters types whereby one of them is the uh, first officer on uh, like the second in command basically of the ship that they're on and one of them is essentially in the lower decks like just you know a, a sort of uh, a non-commissioned officer i think uh, a kind of low stakes engineer and you get this different perspective of life on a ship and this story is seen through both of their you know pairs of eyes and you make character choices. You you go through the game. You know you remember that whole that whole thing with um Telltale games where it was like, this person will remember that. Yes. Yeah. It that's the game, right? Like it is it is an adventure game in the telltale style. Is it? That's when it's at its best. When it's at its worst, it is doing action stuff. So for example, there's bits where you have to shoot them some things, and the mechanics are just woeful. Like they're just really and they're not terrible, they're just boring, right? Like they're just really you can tell that there's not much in them that there's not there's not enough like debating no that's the thing when there is that stuff that stuff is great right like so when they're having discussions and you are being asked up up front who do you think has the correct answer here this may very well influence the the power in this part of the galaxy right that's really cool That is really, really neat. And they they managed to do that really, really well. When they're doing stuff like, pilot through these rings. Like, that's just, it's just really, that's really teeth. Like, not very good. Let's have a race. Yeah, I mean, yeah. And and what's the morality, um,
2: on on what's the morality of the game like? Because, you know, in in Telltale Games, one of the successes of The Walking Dead series was very much that there was no clear yep uh what was one in mass effect paragon or paragon renegade or straight down the middle yeah and in mass effect it was like here are 10 children do you want to save them or do you want to kill all of them <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> it was like well, it was always very obvious which which was the so, right or wrong yeah, thing to do sam's wizard and
1: his bandits <laughs> very so, wrong so 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 this one is much more gray and it's much more gray in an interesting manner which is that there are twists and turns like any good piece of fiction that you make a decision and you think yeah that is i think how most people would answer and and you can actually see your choices in relation to everybody else's choices um and some of them like you're like yeah okay that makes sense um and then some of the choices are very divisive, and some of the choices are they blindside you because you don't have a piece of information about what's gone on somewhere else that would make help you make a better informed decision. and And while that that sounds like it could be um, like a negative because you want perfect information, it's actually more interesting because it's it ratchets the drama up. Like in the first third of the game itself, you are missing a piece of information somewhat deliberately. That helps you make decisions that you later regret, and it's it's very clever. It's a very clever narrative technique to make you go, ah, oh, I got I got pulled in by that as well. Um, this 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 conspiracy or what or whatever it ends up being. Um, the they introduce a new alien race. In fact, I think they introduce new uh, alien races they certainly haven't really looked at them in, in any of the TV series um, and they are really cool like really interesting humanoid-esque character, uh, uh, species but the dispute that they have is classic Star Trek stuff of there are two fairly close planets that are both habitable one of them has tons of resources and one of them has high technology and uh, and how do you solve a dispute over the mining rights between these two things? Because the people with the high technology, they have the tools and equipment to get the stuff out of the ground. But the people on the planet, they actually have, they don't have the tools and technology, but they do have the stuff itself and the labor market to be able to do that stuff.
0: Well, um, So, Sam, Dan, how would you solve it then? You've got about 30 seconds oh. each, how would you do it? uh repeat the question so you've got two planets (laughs) what one's got the tools the other one's got the resources to mine how do you get them to decide who
1: who has the rights to mine
2: Uh, we you you just get them working together there
0: you go
1: Um. so great that's the utopian ideal that the federation would want kill the miners okay Okay. nice one dan like uh (laughs) like maybe the star trek's not for you um but but from there, they spin this very good Star Trek, next-gen DS9 era-ish, uh, utopian sci-fi story that te- that is some of the best Star Trek video games they ha- that have ever been done uh, in terms of storytelling, in terms of getting the feel of the thing right, like the actual, like, yeah, this is Star Trek. Uh, obviously, kind of all the stuff you've,
3: you've been talking about there, that's kind of, the most important thing that we're looking at kind of with the game and stuff. But I've always found that any time I play a game or something that's based on an existing property, like one of the the the, the biggest pleasures that come from it mm. is experiencing that world yeah. kind of at, at my leisure. So the one yeah. that's, say so for me, it was a deeply flawed game, um, but the video game for the the TV series Lost. Sure. Um I had kind of a deeply flawed game, but I always loved walking around what mm. would like would be the the locations there? going to a specific place and finding it in my own way and just wandering around that world yeah. kind of at my leisure and kind of navigating the, the the bits and obviously like chris when we've played kind of various different lord of the rings type things like whether it's like lord of the rings online where we wanted to walk through the roots of the films and stuff like that oh, like so good now obviously kind of as you alluded to at the start there are many different areas of star trek it's yep. not a, a linear line that yeah. you can say okay there's a game about star trek it's going to be on the enterprise with kirk and spock and that's it because of the fact that it you couldn't it could fall anywhere along this whole timeline do you get that sense of i wouldn't say necessarily nostalgia because it's not always nostalgia but that pleasure of being in that world of being able to walk around the ship and stuff like that. I've, I've kind of i've watched some videos and stuff and Obviously, the the design of them is very iconic to the kind of Star Trek stuff. The
1: kind of the way the walls look and all that stuff. Um, d- does it, does it have that yeah. when you're playing it? And yes, and that's why that's why I mention it's specifically. Next gen DS9, not just in yeah. terms of its like storytelling, but in terms of its like aesthetic push. Um, some of the shots that are in it, for example, feel really authentic. They feel like they did there's they they do this thing even that next gen ds9 voyager they all did which is there'll be two people having a pretty heated argument in uh in in the captain's office about something something deeply philosophical and one will go to walk out and just as they're about to go out the door someone the person will stop them and say you know they'll say something that then turns the situation on its head and you know it's that kind of level of space opera. But that is a classic next gen DS9 move. So that when I when I, I'm playing as Rydeck and I'm going out onto the into um onto the bridge and I get a moment to wander around and do some limited kind of interactions. Like I say, it's kind of a point and click adventure really. Um so it's kind of scripted in that way. But getting to do that, and getting to sit in the captain's chair and getting to say the word engage all of those things they all feel really there it is that's what it is did you say it out loud oh oh it's great you get to choose uh, you get to choose between three different things you can either say engage uh, I think it's engage make it so or Geronimo you know something like that (laughs) cowabunga yeah yeah right um, It's like a free text field yeah yeah and and you get to but that's the thing the 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 thrill of it like you were saying dan the thrill of it is having that moment where you get to press a button and you go engage And I, as a star trek fan you're just like yes yeah, yeah. i could be in this chair i could say that i could be. i'm i am and, in star trek now I, i'm sorry i could do it but like yeah and and i think like i say i think them setting it away setting it setting it away from the main story of Star Trek uh, around that era and setting it on a different ship. It's not about the Dominion. It's not about, you know, what's going on on there. It's not really even much about the Alpha Quadrant, for example, that much about it, although I suppose it it kind of turns that way about two-thirds of the way in. But it just feels like Star Trek. And as somebody who loves it, loves that, that entire body of work and that universe i should say um that is really refreshing to play in a game because it is very difficult to make a video game about something that's not actively about destruction or trying to do or trying to out-compete with somebody it's very difficult to make a game that's about basically playing nice like trying to get different people to work together like it's it's really, really great.
2: So I've been looking at um I've been looking at some <laughs> body pillows. Okay,
1: yeah, for, for personal use or for Chris uh, use.
2: Yeah, so um I just sent I just sent you all the girlfriend body pillow. Yeah. Lord,
1: Lord. Which okay, um yeah.
2: basically is just a a, a female torso. Okay. Nice. Uh, with partial partial arms, Ooh. no head.
0: Oh. It's like a slide chest.
2: This is
1: and that's it. this is problematic, isn't well, it?
0: Uh, but but it's all right because it says it's velvety soft, non toxic, and it's got hyphens between all of those words. Uh, well, I've
1: got I've got uh, well, I think I think it's definitely toxic, but I don't know these. Um, but
2: but hang on, hang on. There's one. There's 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 one for for anyone who who may be attracted more to the male form. There's the muscle man pillow, okay, which is cute and fun, hunky husband, cuddle companion, okay, and it's like basically like a. It's like a, a six pack, yeah. Um, but but unlike the female one, it's only half the it's only half the body. What? I'll, I'll send I'll send you all this out so we can all, all see it sent it. Hold on.
3: Oh yeah, I see it. Oh, that's that's. There's a picture of. Oh, this is creepy. I I love the fact that it stresses that it's a, it
0: it assumes that the only reason you'll need this is because your partner's away on a trip. That's yeah, what it keeps absolutely. Exclaim. I
2: also. I also feel like you know the man, the, the the male one, the male presenting one is cute and fun, whereas the the girlfriend one is a full, um, it's, a full it's torso. You, do, you need you need a friend. So uh, yeah, you need a friend. Yeah, but it's cute and fun if your girlfriend does it. But I need a friend because. You know. um, why, why do they give the male
3: one nipples?
2: I don't know. It's a but pill- I think my favorite the Joel Schumacher. Design my favorite one. one
1: so far is the one shaped like a baguette of bread. <laughs> I, you know what you know what if you're going to take something to bed you may as well take to bed somebody you love and a, a you know a loaf of bread yeah. if it was if it was a banoffee pie
0: i'd perhaps consider yeah. it <laughs> <laughs> and, and and i've got i've got a bit of a uh
2: a bit of a beef the fact that that you can either have the hunky husband cuddle companion yeah. or you can have the the boyfriend companion What's the difference? Uh, which hasn't got any, which hasn't got any muscles on it. It's in a plaid shirt, <laughs> <Whoa>. <laughs> with a little pocket. Um, yeah. So you now know what I'm going to say. If you'd like to have one of us as a body pillow, <laughs> <laughs> you can vote now by going to yep. staying in pod at gmail. Perfect. Perfect. Make sure to Sam, put in the subject Sam, what line. What would
3: you bring to the body pillow that no one else could?
2: I think I'd bring just relentless energy. Yeah, that's what you want when you go to bed,
3: which is what you're looking for from a body pillow. Yeah, I've... I would say I
0: would say it's more. I, I would say it's more nervous energy.
3: Yeah.
0: <laughs> um. Yeah. Make sure you put in the
2: subject line, uh, body pillow, and then just tell us which one of the four of us you'd like to Let...
1: snuggle. Okay, that's all right. We're going down some dark parts <laughs> now. Um. Uh. If you've got a body pillow. Don't tell us, Uh, but tell us something else, uh, uh, if you like, on uh, social channels, like we check those, uh, Twitter, Facebook, uh, Instagram, Instagram, Instagram's the one really, I know we say this, I know we say this every time, but honestly, it's nice, it's a nicer place and you can see pictures of things, uh, including... Uh, um, well, what sort of things can they expect? I was just going to have a this, look. At this, I'm going to no, go there's over There's no body pillows to be there's clear. no To be fair, there Yet. aren't any. No. Well, well I like, mean, Pete,
3: you, you,
0: you did craft. get some staying in socks, so maybe SC could furnish you with a staying in body pillow.
1: Yeah, that's true. And if you want to see my socks, you can actually see them on our Instagram. Uh, you can Ooh. see those. You can also see all the other lovely stuff that we got for Secret Santa, yeah. the SC. Uh, wait. Yeah, SC? you can
2: see me yeah. unboxing Mage tonight.
1: Yep ultimate edition you see that stuff you can see um a beautiful beautiful game called uh fire tower uh what that looks like it looks incredible you can see the picture of flamecraft as well uh, and all the lovely art with that you can see oh my goodness what well, that is amazing stuff Mints or mints that we talked about a couple of episodes back loads of stuff on there instagram staying in pod that's the one that you want to go to and have a quick look at that stuff because it is lovely and come and say hello there um what else um about it, right? Is that See it? See you on the beach. See you on the beach.
2: <laughs> what? What? <laughs> what?